Postcards from a Dying World, the podcast. For more than a decade, I've reviewed over 1,000 books that are mostly science fiction, horror, and bizarro. This feed will feature bonus audio I have produced over the years, as well as a monthly digest of reviews based on what I've read each month, plus the occasional bonus material about my own fiction. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to the Postcards from a Dying World Kung Fu Movie Trilogy. Part two is my tribute episode panel for the films of Jet Li. And I've got two people joining me, um, one expert and one new to Jet Li um, fan. And uh, the new to Jet Li, well, you've seen Jet Li movies before, but you most of the movies we're talking about today you saw for the first time um because we had a discussion on twitter matt introduce the people to yourself hi i'm matt smonsky um better known as i would say matt and buffalo from the upper pylon Two star trek deep space nine review podcast and that's, um, that's how matt and i met each other because i'm a big star trek nerd and the star trek podcaster as well and so I started listening to that because Deep Space Nine is my favorite. And I always love Matt's takes. So thank you. I, I agree. Uh, but yeah, we went back. We did every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We finished the mission. So go back, check those all out. They're all there. We, you know, got every single one in order. And it was actually something we're all really proud of. Nice four year mission or so every week. Uh, you know, we wouldn't let that thing die. So it was a hell of a lot of fun. And then it uh, splintered off into meeting other fun podcasters. I did like a one-off uh, book review for Rendezvous with Rama for who, uh, the Who Goes There podcast. Tons of fun talking about book literature and then some other ones out there. But you can kind of connect through all that with the UP2 handles out there. Right. And Matt, you're a scientist too, right? So you come to it from a real science angle, right? I try not to let that um, color too much of like fantasy, uh, science fiction stuff. But yeah, I um, I always cringe a little bit with it. But PhD in cancer pathology, postdoc in cancer therapeutics. I manage a team of scientists now. So yeah, actual card carrying every day in the lab scientist. All right, and our action film expert tonight is author, critic, and uh, blogger, uh, podcaster. I think no, maybe not, but I know you are. You've written more about film than anybody. One of my favorite critics, going back ten years, Outlaw Vern. Welcome to the Postcards from Dying World podcast. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Uh, I am not a scientist, and I actually have to admit I'm not a. I'm not a Jet Li expert, but I am a longtime fan. Right, but you are an action movie expert. I'm gonna, I, I would put you in court. If I needed an action movie expert, I would. And you wrote a book about a particular martial artist. And that's one of the things that put you on my radar was your book about Steven Seagal. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it's called Seagology. Uh, it's... I can't even remember what year I, I, I initially self-published it and then it was picked up by Titan about 10 years ago. And uh, it's a book that uh, reviews each, each Steven Seagal movie has one chapter up until the time it was published. And so uh, for a lot of people, it's kind of a harrowing journey going from the, <laughs> the really good uh, first few to the more crazy direct-to-video ones but I'm I those were part of what made me interested in it because 
right at the, at the time now he's making movies that are fairly unwatchable but in the early 2000s there was a, a interesting kind of craziness to the movies that he was making and and mm-hmm. you know I, I i genuinely like them i can laugh at them but i also uh respect them in a way and i and i tried to write a, a kind of respectful appreciation of what is what i enjoy about those movies Right. And you write a lot about um, it, it really in-depth and thoughtful reviews of movies that don't usually get in-depth and thoughtful reviews, which is one of the things I've always appreciated about your blog. And and uh, it's one of those things that uh, I always make sure to read your reviews and check it every couple of weeks because like, it, it, you know, um, you find a lot of action movies that I wouldn't have heard of otherwise. And for example, like you were the first person that I heard about the raid from and uh, knew about it in order to see it in the theater in time in Portland. Oh, and, good. Yeah. And, but you recently wrote a horror novel. So can you tell us about that too? Uh, that's true. I, I wrote a book called Worm on a Hook and it's really uh, sort of my tribute to my love of slasher movies of the eighties. But it's also very much inspired by the action movies that I love from the eighties and nineties. So it's kind of trying to be a mashup of, of everything I love about those two subgenres. And so it kind of, it's got both like the final girl and the ex ex special ops uh, martial arts badass. Uh, I tried to, I tried to combine all the different things that I love and, and I'm, I'm very happy with it. And, and, uh, a lot of people have told me they like it. So awesome. Well, I'll have to have you back after I read it. Um, and talk yeah, I just good. added it. I just added it to my Goodreads reading queue. Oh, thank you. <laughs> awesome. All right. So the topic today is Jet Li. And one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about Jet Li, and, and this particular podcast started as a conversation that Matt and I had that uh, started when he was watching The One, um, the Jet Li uh, early 2000s film it sent him on a mission because i said oh dude you've got to see this 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 and this and it made me realize that jet lee is an artist as an actor as a filmmaker as a movie star is kind of overlooked now because unlike donnie yen who's still acting unlike um you know some of these actors who are pumping out these like terrible direct video movies um and like and and believe me I'm not talking bad on all of them because I even like belly of the beast as far as uh, Steven Seagal goes. Um, That's a great one. Yeah. And uh, so (laughs) I'm not anti, I just wanted to, I wanted to give Jet the credit that I think he's due and talk about his movies in a way. So what I want to do is go through a list of a couple of them. And then at the end, we'll try to rank them on the level of importance that we think people should see them um so can I, can I ask matt uh it was so was the one your first jet lee movie no so coming out of like high school and into early years of college i was a huge film nerd and wanted to you know be the pretentious person that like you know a western action movies are just you know oh you know there's so much more elite stuff coming out of asia so my Probably my first, you know, taste of him was um, just Googling or whatever you ask Jeeving around at that time. Um, the Once Upon a Time in China series. So I bought a, a set of them. And then 
again, very much of the wannabe pretentious film nerd. I bought a, uh, what is it, Region 9 DVD for Hero and had to buy a special region-free DVD player to see that before it came out in the States. So those were my first ones of getting into them. But cut to a couple months ago during the pandemic, I wanted to have just a a DVD that's been on my shelf for a million years. I wanted to have just a nice, drunk, late-night viewing of the one as a a one-off. And then look what happened. I got roped into watching 15 Jet Li movies and scrounging around for some obscure ones, right? So... That was the basically the background for that. So, Vern, what's your history with Jet Li? Do you remember what was your first Jet Li movie? I want to say that it was Fong Sai Yuk. I know in in the in the early '90s, you know, I I found out about John Woo and Jackie Chan and Jet Li, and it was just like anything I could get a hold of seemed amazing at that time. If you could get it like a, a tape with subtitles, you know, it was more of a challenge back then. Um, I wish I had had time to rewatch that one because I, I barely remember it, but I, I liked the, I saw that in the sequel and I, and I, I think I saw Once Upon a Time in America and uh, I saw the Swordsman movies back then. And I'm sorry, I said Once Upon a Time in America, but you know what I meant. Um, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in China and America. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I actually have not seen the the latter, but I've, mm-hmm. I've seen the first one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I loved all those. A lot of them I haven't seen since then, but then, I've watched most of the the later ones as they've come along with like Hero and, and the American releases and stuff. Right. And so for me, my first uh, introduction to Jet Li was fairly early uh, because um, I grew up in Indiana and we had um, a horror host named Sammy Terry who uh, did horror movies on Friday nights at 1130. And for kids growing up in Indiana like me, uh, Sammy Terry was everything. Everybody watched Sammy Terry. But after Sammy Terry was um every friday night at 1 30 in the morning channel four our local station had black belt theater where they would show uh shaw brothers movies golden harvest uh, all kinds of just random snake and eagle shadow like and so uh, my growing up i had a ton of vhs's well betamax at first and vhs's that were double features of sammy terry and black belt theater <laughs> Um, so I was into Kung Fu movies from a very young age and, uh, specifically Canon films, Ninja movies, uh, from HBO, of course were huge for me. And I did turn this into my first novel, my first public, my first novel that I ever wrote is a wuxia, um, uh, fantasy, uh, vampire crossover called Hunting the Moon Tribe that was meant to combine that Black Belt Theater and the Sammy Terry thing. Yeah, and but the first Jet Li movie that I saw out of this was uh, when I was in college in, I think, 94. We had a video store in, in Dayton where I was going to college, Dayton, Ohio, that had um, a Hong Kong movie section. And um, I saw, I got Tai Chi Master, which, of course, was later released as Twin Warriors. And I rented it because... Um, the guy at the video store told me you got to see Jet Li. He's the fastest. He's faster than, than Bruce Lee is what he said. (laughs) Um, He said, he's not better than Bruce Lee, but he's faster is what he said. (laughs) And that's why I saw Tai Chi master. So um, when uh, he came over for lethal weapon four and became more famous, 
Um, I was the hipster guy who said, oh, whatever, dude, I've already seen all of his movies because I watched these bad VHS with like hard to read subtitles that I got. That's what I was striving for out of high school was to be that, but I never quite got there, I think. <laughs> right. So, um, uh, all right. So let's, let's talk about, um, let's, let's start with some of the weirder ones. <laughs> And go through some of the absolutely silly ones. I want to introduce to you a little bit about, so what we know about Jet Li was that he started at a very young age because he was a Wushu champion at the age of 11, right? Um, So he started off as a kid competitor and he was roped into doing these early Shaolin Temple movies in the early 80s and they are not very good movies so i do not recommend that people go back and watch them in fact i think matt at some point i might have specifically told you don't watch them because they're not actually very good movies <laughs> and the stories barely hold together and jet wasn't really comfortable in front of the camera so his like his ability as an as a movie star is kind of not developed there but if you're a completionist out there and you want to see all the Jet Li movies, there's uh, Shaolin Temple and Kids from Shaolin Temple. And they were hits in China at the time, but when you compare them to the stuff that he made later, they're almost unwatchable, in my opinion. Uh, did either of you guys see those early movies? I actually I had to haven't. draw the line somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no. and I, I, I've always been curious, but I'm sure someday I'll get to them. <laughs> yeah, I would not recommend those. But let's talk about the weird ones, because one of the things that I really appreciate about Jet Li during the 90s is he made some really good movies, but he also made some really fucking wacky movies in the early 90s. I mean, really, really strange ones. He only directed one movie in his career, and it's probably good he didn't direct another one because he did direct a movie called Born to Defense. That's the title, the literal translation, and pretty much every... You know, they're not, they're not retitled for, for American release. It's very hard to find Born to Defense because it's not a very good movie. And pretty much one of the only things that is notable about the movie is it's the movie where Jet broke his nose and got the, the ridge on his nose that you can see the rest of his career. <laughs> is, do you know which part broke his nose? I do not know which actor broke his nose, but I think it was an object. That flew up. And what's funny is because he was directing the movie, he couldn't like leave or give anything to anyone else. So he stuck it out and finished the movie. And a lot of people think that one of the reasons why the movie is such a mess is because um, he was in a lot of pain when he was (laughs) directing it. But we know, and we'll get to this later in his career, that Jet physically destroyed his body in a lot of ways. He Donnie Yen is still going strong and seems to be very healthy, but for whatever, Jet Li really, really messed up his body over the years. Um, got, had a lot of injuries, just like Jackie Chan. But I think for Jet, they actually ended up affecting him a little bit more. It's one of the reasons why a doctor eventually told him, you need to slow down, you can't make as many movies. And now he, he really very rarely makes uh, action movies at this point. Um, in fact, starring in Mulan was like one of the, you know, and he doesn't really have a lot of action scenes in Mulan, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. But, well, I want to interject that I I watched that one to 
to get ready for this podcast. And I actually enjoyed it because I like those kind of like the white, the white bad guys that are, that are reprehensible and bullying the the locals. And uh, I don't know, it's definitely a cheesy movie and there's a weird uh, obsession with peeing in it. There's a lot of people getting peed on, throughout the <laughs> right. movie. but uh, I really loved that, that huge long fight sequence in the bar in the middle, because sort of this middle of the movie that leads to the, it turns into a storm and and rain seems to be just pouring through the the roof and he gets kicked out the window and then comes back and continues the fight and it goes on for a long time and um it's it's got some good stuff in it I would say yeah and so I'm interested because I have not seen it in many many years but um do you see any flair to what Jet was doing as a director there- as a director uh. No- not not yeah not that i noticed and the and the transfer is not very good on the the dvd sure. that i saw it seemed like it actually seemed like it might be a good looking movie but i couldn't i i think i made a mistake because i i think there's like a dimension or miramax release of it but i i watched an import thinking that it would be better uh but well I, I, the, a dimension or would would definitely be dubbed so if you were looking, yeah, that's what I that's what I was concerned about. But they probably had a better transfer that that probably looked better. But yeah, oh, of course. I do wonder how many times we've watched movies preparing for this that were just wildly different versions of it. Director's cuts, different re-edits, ones that take out tons of the Chinese elements to it, right? To yeah, get yeah. you know to say nothing of the Adventure King or Adventure King or uh, Scripture of No Words, like the different wildly different versions of that one that are out there right yeah we'll get to that movie here in a bit yeah (laughs) i'm sure we will uh because i would i would argue that that is the weirdest jet Li movie um (laughs) but um uh one that he made around this around one really interesting one that he made that i think goes in the weird category is last hero in china and that's really interesting because Last Hero in China is kind of like, I would argue that it's the never say never again of Hong Kong movies. And the reason I would say that is because uh, Wang Jing directed it. And he he directed a couple other uh, Jet Li movies, Kung Fu Called Master and um, New Legend of Shaolin. And they worked in high risk. They worked together many times. But this is Wang Jing directing Jet Li playing Wang Fei Hung, the character he played in all the Troy Hart Once Upon a Time in China movies, but it's almost a spoof of the movies that he stars in under another more famous director in China. So it's very interesting because it's almost like a a, a Wang Fei Hung spoof. It's not good. Um, um, I would not consider um, Last Hero in China to be a good movie, but I do think it is interesting that it in that it because Never Say Never Again has such an interesting role in the history of action movies because it's Sean Connery returning to James Bond, but not out of the James Bond factory, right? And so I consider this movie to be similar to that. Um, Have either of you seen um, Last Hero in China? And it's okay if you haven't. (laughs) I have not. Yeah, yeah, it's not great. But it is interesting to note. I think it's interesting to note that that's out there. Um, so but- I will ask with some of these ones that didn't make the cut for us to watch, mm-hmm. I like, I enjoyed the experience of all these, even if the movie, was not good. 
right it's just such like a unique cultural snapshot of stuff that didn't make it overseas like you know really actively pushed over here like rumble in the bronxes and like the really easy to you know accept cultural things so like these ones that you're calling not good for somebody who's into like experiencing something oh, you'll still be entertained are they yeah okay yeah because and and Vern, i'm sure you're the same way like you enjoy a bad action movie just as much as anybody else. Yeah, as, you made it. Yeah, as long as it's as long as it's not boring, which usually these type of movies are not. And please bring them in at around 90, 85 to ninety minutes. That helps too. <laughs> you know, right. usually, usually. I, I want to. Yes, and I think Matt, you're pointing out something that's very important because when I say it's bad, it doesn't mean that it's not entertaining just um it's it's different from the ones that we're going to get to that are like high quality and amazing and we can get yeah. to you know. i'll watch stuff if it's like a curio right so if it if it makes that threshold yeah I'll, I'll give that a shot right so let's stick with wong jing for a minute who uh was um uh like i said he 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 got his start with he had a series of hong kong movies called the god of gamblers which was like these like casino movies that were really big in Hong Kong and uh, Chow Young-Fat starred in one of them, I believe. But these God of Gambler movies were these like heist comedies and Wang Jing got his success and started doing those, right? And so when he hooked up with Jet Li, it became this thing of like, well, now he's going to make these comedic Kung Fu movies because Wang Jing's movies were always comedic and weird so the ones that he made with him are that. So one of the better and absolute uh, batshit ones is uh, Kung Fu Cult Master. Have either of you seen Kung Fu Cult Master? I don't think I have. Okay. So Kung Fu Cult Master is Wang Jing, and it is based on a very high quality, high, um, a famous wuxia novel um, by Louis Cha, who... There's probably a hundred or more Shaw Brothers and Kung Fu movies that, and one thing that's really interesting about the way Hong Kong adapts books that's different from how Hollywood does it is that a lot of these Shaw Brothers movies are based on two or three chapters at a time, right? Because a lot of these books were serialized. And so, um, for example, John Woo recently did the two-part uh, Redcliffe movies, right? Uh, that's just two chapters of a very famous novel, The Romance of the Three Kingdoms, right? So Kung Fu Cult Master is based on two chapters of a Lewis Cha novel that is all about two or a bunch of Kung Fu schools fighting over a golden sword, right? And that's the plot. But one of the best things about this is the old wise wizard who mentors Jet Li in this movie is crippled and he's tied to a boulder and he rolls around on a boulder um, in the like worst example. It's worse wheelchair than Chris Pike's wheelchair in Star Trek original <laughs> series, which is saying something. He's rolling around on a boulder. Sammo Hung is in the movie. He's completely unrecognizable because he's behind like you know, Fu Manchu, like, beards and things, like, you can watch, if you have a bad transfer of it, you might not even notice that it's Sammo Hung, but Sammo Hung did direct a lot of the action in this movie, and the wire foo in it is incredible, and it's really fast, and it did get 
I recently rewatched it and it was a Blu-ray um, version and uh, it looks beautiful. Um, it's also been released as Lord of the Wu-Tang um, for whatever reason, that's one of the titles that got out there. Um, but Kung Fu Cult Master is of the silly, weird ones. It's definitely worth seeing and checking out because uh, just Sammo Hung kind of hiding in the background there is kind of funny too. Um, but yeah, I would recommend that one. Uh, have either of you seen High Risk, which is also Wong Jing? Neither of you? Oh, I, I, I saw it a long time ago, but I don't, it's kind of the diehard exactly. comedy kind of movie. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie is really interesting because it's basically just, um, it's, there's two things that are really interesting about High Risk. Is High Risk is, um, it's basically a ripoff of Die Hard. But it also kind of, um, the movie is a scathing attack on Jackie Chan, which it's really interesting because Jet and Jackie were, um, uh, so one of the things that's interesting about um, High Risk is that it is this scathing attack on Jackie Chan. There's a character in it who is obviously supposed to be a spoof or a satire of Jackie Chan. And Wang Jing had... Uh, I, I believe attempted to make a movie with Jackie Chan, but the relationship went really poorly. And so uh, one of the fascinating and curious things about high risk is, is just this attack on Jackie, Jackie Chan. <laughs> and so this character is like this obnoxious movie star who's in it. That's, that's one of the really interesting things about that, but somebody forcing uh, their singing career on others. <laughs> well, there's some of that. And um <laughs> But this would be like Arnold Schwarzenegger making a movie that completely makes fun of Sylvester Stallone. And even though Jet Li's not, his character is not specifically doing this, it's somebody else's character. Um, and I believe it's Jackie Chung, who's the actor, the lead actor from Chinese Ghost Story. I could be wrong about that. Um, but uh, this movie does have insane stunts, insane stunts, including a helicopter that flies into a building and it it looks completely fake and awful, but um, at the same time, it's that's pretty entertaining. Um, there was a U.S. release of this called Meltdown, and um, the transfer it, it looks beautiful, but they cut out a lot of the scenes. So I highly recommend it if you're going to try to find high risk, find a version that's still called high risk and subtitled, because also some of the scenes that make fun of Jackie Chan um, just curiously disappear from from the from the Miramax release. So I do not recommend watching uh Meltdown. There's also really quickly I would also say that uh Black Mask is one that was interesting, a weird one that was a superhero movie that never went anywhere. Um it was a success in China, but it didn't get the crossover appeal here. It did get a sequel, but Jet didn't return for the sequel. So and I think that's kind of a weird thing about it. But that's true. also yeah, it ahead. also has a weird it has a weird American version that not only is dubbed but has a soundtrack on it uh that is actually a good soundtrack that I have on vinyl <laughs> but it's it's they got a bunch of scratch DJs to do a lot of the soundtrack and I forget there's some rappers on it that are pretty good and it's completely inappropriate but also kind of cool in the same way that uh like uh Shogun Assassins incorrect soundtrack is you know <laughs> right right not, not not as good as that but i, I kind of like the weird mismatch of it right which is one of the things that makes the movie so weird is that 
um, that it's t- absolutely something that Troy Hart, the director, would never have done, right? Yeah. And, and it is completely inappropriate. And so it makes it a really interesting and fun watch. So, um, but also not one that I would put on the must watch list. Not. I agree. Yeah. Um, another weird one uh, from that era is My Father is a Hero. And I think I did recommend watching this one to, to Matt. Um, and My Father is a Hero is one of the two movies that Jet Li made with um, a child actor. And I his name is spelled M-I-U-T-S-E. And I think it's Mew Twee, I think is how his name is pronounced. But he was a child actor. He was like the Haley Joel Osment of Kung Fu movies in the 90s because he was amazing in like two or three Kung Fu movies. He played Jet Li's son twice, uh, but never had, he just, I think his next movie is 2016, right? And, uh, but this movie is also interesting because Anita Mui, the pop star and the star of the heroic trio was in this movie and kind of plays Jet's love interest, but also she's pretty badass in the movie because she's a cop and she, she kicks butt in the movie too. Um, did you guys see uh, My Father is a Hero? I did. And this was an experience. Okay. Right. Man. This is, <laughs> I'll dive, I'll dive into this one if a little bit at least. So Please. it's it, that part where you say she was his love interest. Yes. But also he had a dying wife that was always back at the home, like off screen, just slowly dying through what? 85% of the movie and then oh she's replaced by that love interest i guess at the end that part was just like that was weird and like kind of a really tough element to kind of accept like but i get like stuff like that should i rate it too much on that but that is just like such a weird part that just leapt off the screen of just like we have to keep a family uh, together at the end and we need a quick replacement mother for the uh your child actor in it but why not just cure the wife <laughs> no we had to kill her off and upgrade that was just so damn weird in the movie yeah and and what's weird about this movie is it's like a cross between hard-boiled because it's got the undercover agent thing and the hong kong action scenes and the gun and all that but it also has this like weird story. It has this dying wife story. And then, you know, who's going to be the mother for this kid. And then there's this amazing martial artist kid. And then he and Jet Li have fight scenes where they use like ropes uh, <laughs> to fight off a room full of bad guys. Um, he swings, he swings the kid around holding onto a rope, like as a yo-yo or something. It's right. Well, he yeah. kicks people. And um, so are we? I think overall, this is a movie worth seeing. Just for, I think this is a great bad action movie, in my opinion. But it is also very weird. I don't know. How do you guys come on the final judgments on? Is this a good bad movie or a, just a bad bad movie? This is one of the ones I say was worth the watch. It's just really frustrating because I went to you know a lot of these jet movies are period pieces ones right so you come up with one like ooh, uh an asian directed gun fu movie might be a lot of fun but it kind of didn't really milk that too much in this at all so that was like 
disappointing. Uh, but the the final battle on the the boat where his his kid gets in there and they get into it there were some flashes of really good stuff in there like uh burn you just mentioned it like there's some bonkers stuff but then some real moments of like really interesting physicality that were kind of buried in there too so this is one of the ones where it's like yeah definitely you want to see like modern what 90s uh action movie from china it just has such a unique feel but it is silly as hell the main villain felt like somebody i would pretend to be as a kid in my backyard with the neighbor kids playing (laughs) white gloves glasses like just cliche like crazy just kicking around all of his subordinates for no reason and just killing him for no reason but there's some good stuff in here nuggets yeah i say it's a fun one it's watch it once be happy you did and then i don't think you need to revisit it yeah yeah. Well, I, I haven't seen this one in, in a long time, but what I remember really loving and being impressed by is uh, like we, we didn't really mention that the story, a lot of it has to do with the kid being separated from his dad because he's an undercover cop and he really believes in him. But he but everyone thinks that he's a bad person and he believes in him and he really is a good person, supposedly, who's just pretending to be a criminal. And so when they're finally reunited and they fight together. It's amazing because it's both the action climax of the movie and the emotional climax of the movie. Like just the fact that they're fighting together as a team is like a touching character moment. And so I, I, I'm i sure there are other movies that have that overlap, but I can't really think of any of them because it's an impressive storytelling feat, I think. Mm-hmm. And if you want to watch a movie where it feels like every character is communicating by I don't know, telepathy. There's some weird editing and explaining how these people all talk to each other. It's just, it's weird and kind of baffling. I'll, I'll say quite frankly, but yeah, I mean, again, back to like the thing where it's like, I don't quite know how to always rank these things and really hold it against. Like I totally accept different cultural expectations around how movies are told and shown to you, but it's like that story, Vern, like you're saying with a kid, that felt really interesting of like that disappointment and it's kind of there at points, but if you wanted to make this like a badass action thing with like a surprising amount of emotional depth, it could have been in this, but they didn't really work that part either. Plus you have the weirdness of the, the love triangle, like it kind of, whatever the deal with the wife and replacement wife was that further muddied it. Yeah. Well, Vern brings up something too that I think is something that he highlights a lot on on, on in his criti- critical work is that um, a lot of times people don't slow down to watch the subtext in these action movies. And, you know, the people that are writing them are thinking about these things. They are putting this kind of subtext into it. But, you know, a lot of times they're not, it's not getting noticed. Um, and I'm sure through your process, I mean, of of writing about these action movies you see that a lot burn right yeah i mean it's nice it's a nice thing about being uh obsessed enough with movies to want to write about most of the ones that you see that when you when you sit down and start writing about it you start thinking about it more and realizing things sometimes that you that didn't occur to you, to you while you were watching it right yeah that's so, totally so the movie's credit that the good stuff is in there Right. But it like, I don't know, I kind of want a, a little bit more depth and highlighting 
those elements right but you know minor stuff on a weird ass um, kid action movie too you know so i don't want to dwell on it too much all right so um matt you did watch one of the weirdest of of the bunch and, and that is dr y and the scripture with no words tell us what you thought of that movie um, well, first off, for what it's worth, I think it's the second craziest one in this list. But um, what I thought of it, well, first off, it's utterly baffling, um, virtually impossible to follow, at least the version that I saw, because I watched the one with the uh, modern framing device of making it a novel somebody's writing. I don't believe that's in every version that's out there. No, that is in every version. Um, it is. Okay. Because I've seen different versions on YouTube that have a different ending. <laughs> um, so I, I also watched Dr. Y. I had not seen it. And I'm a fan of Ching Su Tung. You mentioned Billy, Belly of the Beast earlier. I, I like how unhinged and surreal his movies usually are. So in the opening scene where there's a giant uh, uh, robotic, was it an ox that... Uh, they're fighting like I'm 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 all into it and then and then it cuts to the modern day and it's all a story within a story. And I didn't like that. But and then after watching it, I I found a review in Variety from the time and it said that the Hong Kong version has the author stuff, but that there was an international version released that only took place in the 30s. What happened was the the Ching Su Tang version, and I am a huge Ching Su Tang fan. Uh, my favorite kung fu movie of all time is Duel to the Death, uh, his first movie, and um, I think he's the best fight coordinator um, in the business. But he direct all the '30s stuff and the original version that was just basically Indiana Jones. That was all the Ching Su Tang version, but. Um, Troy Hark thought the movie was a mess. And as the producer, he went in and he filmed and directed all those scenes with the author storyline wow. himself and added them afterwards. And um, this is a long-term abusive film, sh- film mentorship relationship that Troy Hark and Ching Su Tung have. The, um, Troy Hark has taken over his movies to the point where um, for example, many people believe that Choi Hark pretty much directed 80 to 90% of um, Chinese ghost story. So this is something that, you know, they have a long relationship with. But Ching Su Tung continued to do fights for Choi Hark and they continued to work together. So uh, apparently it doesn't seem that he tried to stop it, <laughs> you know. So that explains that. Uh, but yes, it's a... This movie is completely bonkers. It has sumo wrestlers jumping out of planes. It has. I, I kind of loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love this one. Uh, quite frankly, it's not going to be on the list because it's one of those ones. It's not good. That chaos that you said, you can see that from the audience perspective, I think. Right. That kind of comes across that 30, the 30s elements are wild and i cannot figure out why the hell they're doing anything that they're doing they're in different locations but all of them as an individual thing is quite a bit of fun they're all little individual set pieces that are quite a bit of fun there's some decent 
comedy in there but then you go to the crazy parts of just the giant rat and like i don't even know if it was cgi or just cartoon stuff that they put over people in the final opening the arc effect right the basket head uh the guy who's basically the ripoff of foon um from the uh once upon a time in china stuff he's fun it just felt very light and like it made me want more supernatural gently kind of genre stuff but then i i actually did like the framing device it helped mask that this is a shameless shameless indiana jones uh ripoff right and it had a little bit of that rashomon or like people multiple people changing the characters in the 30s this is another one of those ones where like if you're gonna do a framing device to salvage just chaos you could do a lot worse and i kind of liked how it changed the 30s version of the story a bit you know we talked about this like years ago actually so the but the funny thing is is that you know if you look at it from a writing perspective he's trying to tie together a bunch of random action scenes that like don't really have a story so it is kind of a smart and clever way to do it kind of similar to like what gene roddenberry did with the menagerie and the cage first for Star Trek fans where he took footage from the unused pilot and figured out a way to, to make a story about it. So uh, uh, Vern, how do you feel overall about Dr. Y and the scripture with no words? Um, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't one of my favorites. I, I prefer the pure unhinged kind of chinksu tongue and and every time just making it be a story that they're telling kind of takes away the sincerity of, of, how crazy it it gets you know on the other hand it I, I i agree that it was kind of clever in some of the meta stuff that it did like when the when his estranged wife sees the manuscript and rewrites the ending uh understanding that she's the villain in the story um you know there are some pretty cool things like that yeah um, so I'm I'm the one non-author here. Is that how you write stuff? You go to a giant skyscraper and everybody's yeah, you go to, churning you go to, out books. <laughs> you go to a newspaper office and there's you have two young assistants that write a lot of it for you. Yeah, that's one thing. It's like, how much is he just delegating of this book to somebody else? Yeah. I do I do assume that that's uh, a a cultural thing that they they, they have uh like serialized stories in publications that maybe they really do write from an office i'm, I'm well, not, I'm well not an, sure. el- an element of it is that i'm like well, it makes sense if they're just like working in an office churning out indiana jones ripoff like how it's just so manufactured and just spit yeah. out like that actually kind of was an element i don't know if they intended it like that but that kind of worked for me like as an extra layer to it i i i don't know i i really like that framing device Vern, was this your first time seeing Dr. Y in the scripture with no words? It was, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, that that movie, I, I, you know, it's funny. I think it's like a, a an amazingly um, great bad movie, um, in my opinion. I wouldn't recommend it to somebody who's, who's not a fan of seeing trash um, cult cinema. But uh, in that regard, I do think it is, uh, it's the weirdest one. But if we're getting into now the ones that we think are essential, uh, Matt, what do you, you said there's one that you think is weirder. My guess is that would be New Legend of Shaolin. Am I right or wrong? 
aka legend of the red dragon yes this is the one that felt like a uh what a two-hour fever dream this movie was crazy it, i mean the first scene is him letting a toddler decide if it wants to kill itself and then it goes to him throwing like cardboard bodies onto a fire and like i wasn't mentally mentally prepared for this so when i saw that i'm like oh my god and just started cackling with laughter and then just like this movie's so perplexing because it's like is it a kid's movie because it's just so weird but there's a lot of rape jokes a lot of rape super violent kids getting killed so it's like it's all over the place but in there i had some legitimate like intentional laughs and then this is the other one with um that child actor right uh yep right yeah and so it's like some of his stuff was the best action part of it this movie's just bonkers and i totally say people should see this one because yeah. it's just uh, insane insane yeah new legend of shaolin is a wong jang movie the that guy who made kung fu cult master and high risk so it, it and it is definitely bananas there's a tank in it there's an it, it's an ancient it's it's a wushu movie a wuxia movie that has a tank in it and i've never seen that uh, other than this one and it, it's a tank doesn't give that enough like bonkers credit for what that actually kind of <laughs> looks like on screen so but yes kind of right yeah, so which version, <laughs> now this this is very important because which version did you do you see matt was it the red legend of the red dragon version or or I I think Legend of the Red Dragon. I don't okay. know what would be the big differences. Well, one of the big differences that I know, for example, like just out of all the weirdness, is that on my I have um, a subtitled uh, um, old DVD, and um, it has the same transfer subtitles from the VHS, where it has the simplified Chinese and English all at the same time like the scene where the woman's like chasing the little kid out who's trying to eat the food. And then like the way it's subtitled, it says, don't steal my chicken ass. And like the whole scene, she's like, I love chicken ass. And for some reason, it's just like her yelling this. It's the, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. I think I might've remembered a chicken ass uh, version. So I think I didn't get that one. Unfortunately. Yeah. So for whatever reason, like, yeah, it's just a fucking bonkers movie. Uh, Vern, have you seen uh, New Legend of Shaolin? No, I haven't. I'm going to have to. I'm sold on it now. Yeah. Yeah. This one, when when uh, Matt says it's a fever dream, it is. And to me, it's this is actually like Kung Fu Cult Master is like weird and bonkers, but not necessarily a great movie. But I actually think New Legend of Shaolin is a good movie because it is. Uh, just a weird dream i think you're right it is like it doesn't make i mean it's just it's good but Vern, make sure you see like a subtitle version the um in my opinion but uh, yeah it, it's just one of those movies you just don't see come out of like western culture it, it's just so out there right and i'm so happy <laughs> thank you this might be one of the ones that i'm like most like i never would have found on my own Right. right. And like, I, I never would have gone out of my way and I'm happy I got that experience. Will I watch it again? I don't know, but it was a, a real trip watching that one. All right. Let's talk about the first Hollywood one that we've, that, that 
that we'll get to, which is, um, which I think straddles the line between weird and good. And that would be the one. Um, and that's the one that inspired this, this podcast. Um, every good action hero has to fight himself at some point. Um, every action movie star has to, um, that's the law. Um, they have to fight some twin version of themselves or something. I like, I seriously cannot think of a, a, a seriously good action hero that hasn't done it. So Jet had to do it at some point, right? Um, so tell me, uh, let's start with Vern. Like, uh, did you, you did you see the one in the theater uh, when it came out? Because I, I know I did. I did, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah, and I, I believe you were already writing about film by this time, or, or were you not there yet? Yeah, it's like two, 2001, right? Yeah. Yeah. Start, yeah, around there. Uh, yeah, I started in like 1999. Yeah. So um, you've probably written about this movie before, but it's been a long time. Um, like, what are your first initial thoughts on 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 Jet Li entering the fighting himself arena and how it compares <laughs> to other uh, action heroes fighting themselves, whether it's Arnie in Sixth Day or or I mean, they've all done it at one point. Right. Um, I don't I don't think I liked it too much at the time because. I was, you know, that was a time when we had seen all these Hong Kong movies and loved them. And we were excited about all these guys coming to Hollywood. And so when the Hollywood movies were not the same thing, it seemed really disappointing and a waste at the time. But now that I'm, now that it's many years later and I'm used to that, rewatching it uh, was pretty, pretty fun as sort of a time capsule of that, that weird period. And he, he has some pretty good fighting in it and it's, there's some silly stuff like showing him with the dreadlocks. There's like a picture of him with dreadlocks and different hairstyles. And there's a Statham who I don't think I remembered him from, from a lock stock at the time. Mm. Uh, he looks like John McClane with his hair and. Uh, uh, yeah, he's, he's grasping to keeping that hair in this movie. Yeah. Final straws of Statham here in this one. Um, although I will say the soundtrack is absolutely terrible in this one. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> that's that's one of my big notes that dates this movie <laughs> so badly. Well, and and you know uh, your journey with it, Vern, is exactly mine. I did not like it at the time. I was disappointed. Um, I was still happy to see anything Jet Li did in the theater. It was not as bad as like Cradle to the Grave, which is almost unmentionable, um, which is like one of the worst experiences of, of that I've had going to a Jet Li movie in the theater. But uh, The One is a movie that aged well for me because I just kind of, I wanted a really good movie and I just kind of like accept it as a good, bad movie now. And I do like that he that he fights himself in different styles and um, I think some of the bonus features on the DVD that explain like what he was up to are, are almost as entertaining as the movie. And, and it's a cool looking fight, fighting style that he uses in this one. I forget what it's called, but it's a different technique than what he normally uses. Yeah. And um, the fights were done by Corey Ewan, who, by the way, um, directed um, the uh, Fung Sai Yuk movies and the, the Legend movies. And um, uh, went back as far as uh, my father is a hero with him was the director of that uh, and did the the fights with him, but um, 
but keeping uh, uh but uh so matt overall like this was the one that started it all was, was you were watching this one uh what are your thoughts going back on i know you said the music you didn't like uh, we all agree yeah uh, so I, this one like it had a couple real nice high points for me basically if you want to watch this watch that opening fight scene that has a lot of matrix elements to it uh in the uh prison uh loading dock area that's pretty cool right you see his physicality plus with a nice splash of like good early cgi and then the battle with himself at the end it's pretty impressive with the sparks but everything in between i didn't care for you know it's interesting just because there's so many space above and beyond and x-files connections in there and that's kind of a sweet spot for me and the nerddom just the same writers a lot of the same actors that is cool but not to watch it but um not so much but there was one part and it's a blink and you miss it thing of what i'm always looking for in these action movies is like physicality like i don't like the wire work too much there is a moment when jet springs up from laying down like to his feet and it's inhumanly fast and i don't know if they had any under cranking of the camera or anything like that but i just kept watching that part back like i i can't understand how he got up and it doesn't look like there's any effect there and it's just that's the most impressive thing in the whole damn movie is him just doing something that's like in, <laughs> in, inhuman and then minor bonus points for it ending exactly like a mortal Kombat movie <laughs> that will be you know that was something i'll give the, it that the ending was probably my favorite part but it was weird because in in one of his great movies that would have been the beginning of a long fight sequence instead it's just pulling out as he gets into a fight with 100 100 guys or something yeah mm-hmm. right all right so sticking with um the english language films but not necessarily hollywood um, he made a couple movies in France with um, Luc Besson, who uh, for forever for me will be known as the director of The Professional because that's like one of the best movies ever. Um, <laughs> but uh, he made two movies with Luc Besson, and I want to talk about both. But um, and I personally am a fan of these movies. But uh, let's start with Kiss of the Dragon. Um, I I like Kiss of the Dragon enough that every time I've watched it. I like can't help but think of all the unmade sequels in my head that would have been amazing because I love the idea of Jet Li being like Chinese super spy going around having these adventures. He has this one in Paris, but I like, I was like this same character acupuncturist slash spy Kung Fu master in London or in New York. Like I would have loved that. What did you guys think of Kiss of the Dragon? Starting with Vern. Oh, Vern, go. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I remember liking it, but I, I went back and read my review and I, and I seemed to think it was just kind of okay. I remember some of the action elements, of, like the jumping on the boat was really cool. And uh, I, I think at the time I was, I didn't feel it lived up to some of the other Luc Besson productions, uh, but uh, it's, it's definitely, you know, better than, than a lot of American martial arts movies. Matt? I think I'm quite a bit more warm on this one because like you, like uh, Leon, the professional, whatever you want to call it version, love that. But maybe the feel of La Femme Nikita 
I love even more that kind of like dirty French or mainland European action movie. I love that. Put Jet Li into that. You get something like extra nice. All I need is like Jean Renault in it. And then you might have an absolute masterpiece, but (laughs) this is one of the ones where I started to approach caring about the characters. So it's like the action was kind of what I wanted from my father, the hero modernized, you know, a little bit of uh, gun fu. Um, you have your Gary Oldman knockoff, the guy that's has the, what is it? Turkish name, uh, very recognizable character, French character actor, but the over the top Gary Oldman, just bonkers off the wall villain. I loved it. And just that feel of being out on the boat, out on streets, like um, French hotels. This just had a great feel pretty good characters like i don't think bridget fonda played a a human being in the movie but i liked what i I liked watching her like she didn't act like any real human being would act in those circumstances but whatever but i i actually legit like this one and this makes that threshold of something i would rewatch with a little bit of time and distance i legit like kiss of the dragon um and i do think luke basson and stephen king make the most hateable villains of anybody like um like the the villains in Luc Besson movies are always just awful, awful, terrible people who must die. Um, and uh, I mean, if you consider <laughs> uh, if you consider that Romeo Must Die is the movie that we're coming off of from the the which was just awful on every level, terrible, terrible, almost unwatchable movie. Um, Kiss of the Dragon is definitely um, much better. Um, and I also do think the realistic fighting in it is is really good. And Jet Li actually acts in this movie. There's moments like when he um, has the, the, when he gets basically betrayed and he doesn't know what's going to happen to him and he ends up in the subway, there's a scene where um, Jet Li truly looks scared in that scene and his face like really conveys it. And it's one of the times that I was like, I had the thought to myself, wow, like, like he's actually a really good actor. <laughs> um, he's become a good actor now, uh, which I have seen now in his drama, Ocean Heaven. Um, but I can talk about that a little bit later. But, um, but yeah, because of the dragon, I think that should be on the list of, of movies to watch. I think time has been kind to this movie. If you look back on it now, I think at the time we were upset because we weren't seeing just the level of Hong Kong insanity, but I think now looking back on it, when we compare it to some of the Fast and the Furious and the shit that studios are putting out now, this this is a better action movie. When he when he fights through um, the you know the underbosses to get to the, like the final fights in the uh, the police offices towards the end with like you know twin kickboxer guys, that's some pretty good stuff. So there's like real legit kind of the action that i'm really craving in there too so i I think it ticks that box pretty pretty well yeah so um yeah i'm gonna say thumbs up to to kiss of the dragon and since we're talking about luke basan now we should also talk about unleashed which is one that i rewatched this week um and i legit love unleashed i think this is a great bad action movie and when i say bad action movie i really mean good action movie um just one that is kind of silly but um 
it is incredibly cheesy. Uh, the sweet and sour of it is 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 ridiculous. The fact that they got Morgan Freeman to be in this movie is kind of a magic trick. Bob Hoskins is is so hateable in it, and um, and obviously Jet Li is stretching as an actor um, by playing this basically autistic like hero um who's been you know beaten into submission i i i legit love unleashed but i i wonder if how you guys felt about it because i know it's a controversial opinion to think that unleashed was great uh starting with matt i totally agree actually i think this is when we do the rankings it's a toss-up with kiss the dragon i really like both of these so filmed in this place in Glasgow. So it's not that French kind of La Femme Nikita feel. It has very much that same kind of vibe, which again, just is a real big thing for me. But this is maybe the one on here that has the most modern Western contemporary the um, fight feel like that opening fight is the most brutal he is in any of these movies i think it's pretty surprising violence when you see kind of the you know the the wire work kind of almost ballet typey fights that i've seen in a bunch of these so that was really welcome to see and i would say the the middle part with the family and him adjusting uh dragged a little bit cut 10, 15 minutes out of this and you get an extremely solid movie, I would say. Because all that stuff in the middle felt like I've seen that before. A little cliche. But again, overly harsh. Very fun. I I, I like this one quite a bit. Burn. I'm I'm with you. I, I At the time, I thought it was pretty good, but I rewatched it uh, today and I, I pretty much love it now. It's... Uh, I, I don't consider it to be cheesy. I think it's a completely absurd premise, but in a in a very intentional way. And uh, a weird a weird thing about it is that it seems like it has to have been written for a big guy, like a wrestler or something, because it doesn't really make sense that they would have taken this little kid and known that he could be a great enforcer. Uh, uh, you know, when they kidnapped him, but. Uh, in a way that kind of makes it even better because it's, it's gently is so good in it as both as an actor and as a martial arts performer and the, um, Yuan Wu Ping choreographed it and he gives them a style that's just completely designed for this character. That's totally a brutal, uh, kind of barbarian kind of version of Kung Fu. And, uh, the fights are really well done where the sound effects, did you, did you notice how much the sound effects sound like hitting bodies and, you know, like it didn't sound like traditional Bambiff Pow kind of sound. It's, it just made everything sound so, so much more legit. And it's like a stylish looking movie where all the sets are very kind of decayed and in an interesting way, like all the buildings. And then during the fights, they're just smashing through walls and windows and everything is kind of, there's another one with a lot of subtext where it's like, he, he learns, uh, he he has this love for music that he rediscovers and it, and it brings him away from his violent uh, past. And at the end, you know, it's very on the nose with it, but Bob Hoskins kind of confronts him about, uh, 
he he laughs at the idea of that he that he loves music and art and then when when he starts to attack bob hoskins he knocks over a bunch of cd's and a bunch of books like representing the the culture and art and everything that has kind of changed him and uh i don't know it's very it's you know it's kind of operatic in its in its emotions and symbolism but i love that kind of stuff Mm. yeah yeah and and i think um well luke basson did write it for jet lee i believe um oh he did yeah yeah he wrote it specifically for him and basically um as a vehicle for him like during the the dragon thing like and um i did read that he said basically that if jet didn't do it he was just gonna let the script go oh Um, wow yeah and uh so and, and it's it's interesting project for jet to do towards the end of his career too to just show you know um you know his range as an actor (laughs) you know um but i always thought in the previous ones i always thought he was pretty clearly a leading man for these movies but this one and i think other ones like i would argue in like what um fearless like he's doing legit good acting in that too. And warlords. And I mean, I, I was convinced through this too, that he wasn't just the, you know, Jackie Chan is Jackie. He's named Jackie in half his movies. Right. Yeah. I don't think he's that great of an actor. I think jet. Oh, easily surpasses like, you know, and he's a legit talented actor. I would think in a, a, a lot of these. Yeah. So, um, and I didn't recommend this to everybody because it's a very hard to find movie, but it's, it, it's ironically on the Haya channel on, on Amazon prime, even though there's absolutely no martial arts in it, but, um, Jet Li did in 2010, he did a movie called ocean heaven, which is his dramatic. It basically the, the movie is about him being the father of an autistic son um, and he's a widower and he knows he's dying of, of liver cancer and he's desperate to get his son taken care of before he dies because his son is extremely autistic and the, it, it's a, a full on drama. It's a tearjerker and Jet is legit amazing in that movie, like the acting in it. The, the movie is not necessarily the best as really kind of inappropriate swelling score at times and it's not the best movie necessarily but jet is phenomenal in it as an actor so and that's there's no fighting there's no none of that it's just um him being a great dad and so i recommend ocean heaven too um and i'm sorry i didn't recommend it to you guys before we did this um but uh but yeah so uh anything else on unleashed because i i I, we'll come back to it when we do the final ranking but uh, did you guys notice scott adkins in it yes i did and um i matt do you know who scott adkins is no not by name okay uh Vern, tell tell uh the folks at home too who scott adkins is if they don't know uh, he, he's a great uh modern action star who's starred in undisputed two three and four and ninja one and two and Universal Soldier, Day of Reckoning, and The Debt Collector, and many other great movies. And uh, this was one of his early roles. He plays, I think his character name is Pool Fighter Number Two or something like that. <laughs> and he's he's one of the several like punk rocker guys that that fight Danny in a pool, and he has a spear. And uh, 
gets beat up quickly. I, def- doesn't have I, definitely, <laughs> I definitely recognized him after I Googled him. Yeah, I've seen that guy around a million times. Yeah. Yeah, he's 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 uh uh in the direct to action video field, he he is he's definitely one of the best. Um so yeah, and this was early for him. All right, so next on the list of respectable or highly respectable Jet Li movies um is Swordsman Two. Um did you have you guys seen Swordsman Two? Not since the nineties, but I loved it at the time. That was another completely dreamlike one. Yeah. From my memory of it. Yes, and this is a Ching Su Tang, Troy Hark, um, who, who knows who directed what, uh, but um, and it's an adaption also of the Lewis of the of uh, Lewis Cha novel like uh, Kung Fu Cult Master. Um, and what I think is really good about um, Swordsman Two, I like all three Swordsman movies, but I think Sword um, Sword the original Swordsman was an attempt to Troy Hark was trying to give work to King Hu, who's like the Kurosawa of Chinese film in the 60s and in the 80s he was sick and he needed money and the original swordsman was an attempt to give him a film but he wasn't healthy enough to finish it so that's kind of the story behind uh the first swordsman and um but the whole trilogy um this is a case where they actually did adapt a whole Lewis Cha novel between the three movies and um the second one has Jet Li in it just um uh, and i think it has really great night shots like all the the night action scenes are fantastic but one of the things that's really great is that about the ching su tongue fights in this movie is the speed of the fights is just off the hook um and the sword fighting in it is incredible i don't know what you guys um uh, so so Vern, you haven't seen it since back in the day but you remember really liking this one yeah i remember uh I, I kind of have blurred together memories of, of multiple, whichever swordsman movies I saw. I remember things like a lot of wire work, which seemed amazing to me at the time because I'd never seen that before. And there's a lot of weird like birds flying out of people's mouths and a lot of uh, changing genders and and things that are sort of come from Chinese legends and literature that that are seem very foreign to us and and in an interesting way i think right uh matt what did you did you watch swordsman 2 in in in, uh your rewatch here i i don't believe that made the list okay so i did not see that one yeah um it's it's a really interesting one um it's i don't i don't i don't know i think it's i think it's really good but i think for part of what um we were talking about with new legend of Shaolin is it's kind of a fever dream one. It's not quite as weird as new legend of Shaolin, um, but it's good. Um, all right. So we only have a few left and these are the top of the, the cream of the crop. I would put um, hero definitely in the cream of the crop. I'm one of those people, Matt, I, I did the same thing. I saw, I got a, um, a region three DVD of hero two years before Hollywood managed to finally release it. Thanks to Quentin Tarantino. And I had probably seen it nine times by the time it came out in the theater already. Um, I, I think hero is, even though it's the most expensive movie ever made in China and um, is to what some would consider a big bloated Epic. Um, I think is a masterpiece of uh, Wuxia uh, of um, uh uh, Wuxia, um, film 
and it's a great kung fu fantasy. Um, I personally, I think Crouching Tiger might be a more fun movie, but I think Hero with the use of colors and the way that the story is told is just a fantastic movie. I don't know. Um, starting with Vern, what do you think of Hero? Oh, I agree. It's a, it's a beautiful kind of, uh, Crouching Tiger is maybe something I love more on a personal level, but there's not really many movies that approach the sort of cinematic majesty of, of hero, you know, like it was so good that it did get a theatrical release here because I was able to see it with the great sound system and everything. And so much of it is like the sounds of arrows and like paintbrushes dropping on the ground and subtle, subtle things. And, and a thing that I think is great about Zhang Yimou's style is that it's a gigantic epic with all these shots of armies with thousands of people and just the, the, the hugest things. But then also he loves to zero in on like a single hair being sliced during a fight or a blade going through a drop of water in the air and just tiny things like that. And yeah, it's a, it's an incredible movie. I like all four of his wuxia movies um, to a certain degree. And I think his most recent one, I think was called shadow. Um, oh, shadow is amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. I actually think it's as almost as good as Hero um, and uh, super underrated. But I even like, I, I know House of Flying Daggers is kind of the the rom-com <laughs> of it. The one that's like kind of more traditional. It's not a, a comedy at all. I, that, that was wrong to say, but it's the one that's almost like saccharine romance. But I even think that one is great. So I, I thought you were going to say that you even like The Great Wall because... I would oh. agree with you on that. Yeah, I like the Great no. Wall. I, I, I forgot the Great Wall existed, <laughs> and I'm actually kind of bummed you reminded me. <laughs> you're, you're not endorsing that. It's not as good as the others, but it's an, it's it's also a, a really great filmmaking of a, of a weird international co-production, and it's uh, that's true. So a monster, also a cool monster movie in addition to a martial arts movie. Yeah, um, I just can't handle Matt Damon in that movie. Um, it's very <laughs> hard for me. Um, I did I did watch it. I will say people should watch it. I will say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah. then there's the Blood Simple remake. That's true. Uh, that was, was a good one, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wait, none of these. There's a remake of Blood Simple? Yeah, Zhang Yumao made a, uh, a, a like almost shot-for-shot remake um, that's set in, in China. <laughs> Like, oh, good. What's the good title? Lord. A man, a man, a woman, a noodle shop. Is that the title? Yeah, I don't remember the title, but yeah, it's it's, it's pretty great. It's because it's a if you love Blood Simple and you love like I do. period martial arts movies, it's really cool to see because you know it doesn't entirely work, but it's such a weird combination, and a lot of it really does work. So it, it's it's and it's a you know a beautiful looking movie as as you would expect from him so yeah i totally recommend that i'm gonna have to research that one but anyhow hero um i agree with you guys it's every frame of it's a painting basically like uh it is outrageously beautiful um that donnie yen fight in the um yeah yeah that might be the one of the best 
action scenes of any in any of this list like just the style of it and then just the physicality and then like i mentioned before the wire work is not my favorite like i get that jackie chan used some to emphasize hits like Donnie Yen, uh, the Raid movies use CGI for stuff, but I always look for the athleticism, choreography, speed of the actors and that kind of stuff. Where the wire work does work are the movies that are much more like heightened, like clearly heightened reality fantasy. And I think this one, it they, it works well. It, it the, the floatiness takes me out of a lot of the movies. It doesn't in this, and it didn't in Crouching Tiger, right? So I think this one's way the hell up there um top tier of this list okay now speaking of Jet Li fighting donnie yen uh, <laughs> uh i think the best of the once upon a time in china movies is once upon a time in china 2 um which he did which is the first time he fought donnie yen and donnie yen made a joke when they were filming hero i guess jet's just gonna have to kick my butt every 10 years um <laughs> uh, was the joke he made on the set of hero uh, but Once Upon a Time in China 2, the reason why I think it's the best of the three is that um, the use of the White Lotus sect um, as the villains is is really something for Shaw Brothers Kung Fu movie fans is a big deal because, for example, one of the greatest Shaw Brothers movies, The Fist of the White Lotus, they're like the entire focus of the movie. So it's taking a classic villain from uh, from from chinese mythology but specifically one that's very famous and and, um popular in shaw brothers movies and bringing it into the once upon a time china movies was awesome um also donnie yen playing the sheriff which is great but one of the things that i love about this movie is that with the white lotus sect we have wong fei hung having a temple of doom moment where he comes close to drinking the blood that's supposed to make the white lotus sect invisible and of course he spits it out and has this great moment but then he has like he's covered in blood and he's like to the point where he's almost lost himself to the violence and to me that gives it that kind of temple of dome temple of doom moment where you think indy's lost and um to the to the cult and I just love that about Once Upon a Time in China too. That's why I think it's the best. But let's talk about all the Once Upon a Time in China movies. Um, do you have a favorite? Um, because I think all three of the original Jet Li ones are great. Um, but two is definitely my favorite, starting with Matt. So starting with one, um, this one is... Well, first off, the 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 the, um, the Amazon Prime transfer sucks and it's distorted, so that was frustrating as hell to watch. Uh, but beyond that one, this movie I think had really high highs and really low lows, and was like a really frustrating movie. Uh, liked it, happy I watched it, but like the comedy is just so broad between Foon, Porky, Bucktooth, um, <laughs> maybe another one. Those were awful i hated it so much and like inexcusable that it, i timed it took 28 minutes to see Jet Li in action and 34 for him to really get going so okay not you know points deducted there but like a lot of the action was really cool i, I think this is where he did some umbrella fighting in this one right forgive me a lot of these movies kind of yeah 
brand together. That like stuff like that was really good. The um, uh, the stuff with Master Yim, right? Um, the uh, the 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 master who kind of resorted to like you know crime and deferring to like Western culture, like and his redemption was like frustratingly like ooh that I like that character I like that guy could have gotten more there, but they kind of spread out a little bit too much like uh, I you know I liked how it felt so windy in the movie it felt really raw so there's a lot of good there but man that comedy stunk um, and like they maybe had too many villains they didn't feel credible but then Once Upon a Time in China two fixed so much of that. Like the, the white Lotus were like a credible villain. They felt scary, right? Like I get, not every movie has to have super villainous villains all the time, but in that one, they were great. Like Donnie Yen coming in as the second boss late in the movie was awesome. That fight he has in the hallway felt so claustrophobic. It just had such a cool feel to it. Like usually you see the camera pull out and there's a fight in a warehouse. This one was in a, a four foot wide hallway. And it just lent to the action that happened in that. Um, the the brutality towards the kids, like, forgive me, was kind of hilarious. Foon brains the shit out of a kid with a teacup early in the movie and draws blood. They shoot a kid and then get over it pretty quickly in the movie, too. This one was a hell of a lot of fun. The comedy was, like, evened out quite a bit more. And then Once Upon a Time in China 3 it didn't have the highs and it didn't have the lows of once upon a time time in China one, but I liked all the um, uh, dragon stuff. Uh, The dance of the dragons, um, the redemption arc kind of repeated with iron foot. I thought was pretty good. And then, Oh, back to two. Sorry. So many thoughts with these ones because they were a lot of fun. But the overall arc that you see a lot in them, the theme of Western culture fighting with Chinese culture into, I thought was really nice because that had the scene of Jet's character showing the merits of Chinese medicine as a scientist. It's all bullshit. But I thought thematically it worked really well showing the complimentary, like how Western and Eastern cultures can work together. I thought that was actually kind of like a really beautiful scene. So two is great. One's frustrating, but fun in a lot of ways. And three is just like, I found myself really enjoying it after it was over. I'm like, Ooh, I like that one quite a bit, but kind of during it little draggy, but these ones are what got me into him as much as anything did. Uh, and real good experience going back and watching those three. I, I do recommend all three of them, but two, I think you're right. Like, obviously, standout best one. Vern, what do you think? Well, I was only able to rewatch the first one. Um, I enjoyed the the umbrella fight and the bouncing around on the bags. I think it was supposed to be bags of flour in the warehouse at the end. I thought that fight was really amazing. Um, but I really need to rewatch the other ones and you guys are making me excited to get to part two. Well, um, I should also note that um, after part three, Jet Li left the series because he and Troy Hark had a bit of a falling out. They've since mended fences. Um, they went on to do several other movies like Black Mask and eventually Flying Swords of the Dragon Gate a couple of years ago. Um, 
but uh, Jet Li returned twice to the character of Wong Fei Hung. Some things we should note: the umbrella and Wong Fei Hung, and the theme song. This is the like one of these movies is the hundredth Wong Fei Hung movie made by anybody, <laughs> right? So Wong Fei Hung is a very famous character, and in fact, um, Iron Monkey is a prequel that the child character in Iron Monkey is supposed to be the young version of Wong Fei Hung, the character who grows up to be Jet Li's character, um, and is considered in China to be a prequel to the Once Upon a Time in China movies. And in fact, the one of the problems with the American release of Iron Monkey is they took out the Wong Fei Hung theme when the kid fights for the first time in the American release. And there was a, a David Agronoff sitting in the theater yelling <laughs> bullshit um, during that release when because I already had it on DVD with the with the correct theme song, uh, and I was pissed. But um, and gently returned to it in the spoof, the last hero of um, in, of China, and which we already talked about. And he also came back to play in a movie called Once Upon a Time in China and America which is a very cringy um, Wong Fei-Hung movie where Wong Fei-Hung goes to America and it's crossed with a Western and it's directed by Sammo Hung and the Native Americans in it is... is Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Uh-oh. There's a reason why Once Upon a Time in China and America has not gotten an American release. Um, I but yeah, that theme song is awesome. And yeah. anytime that kicks in, you know, it's like Superman coming in. It's just like people are going down. Yeah, there's an Asian market um, in uh, San Diego that I was in there shopping one time and the Wong Fei Hung theme came on just on the music in the in the market. And I like, like, was so happy. <laughs> like, um, that was just really cool. All right. So uh, we only got a few more left, uh, thankfully. Uh <laughs> Fearless is the next one that I have up. And I think Fearless is incredible. Directed by Ronnie Yu, who uh, American audience might know as the director of Snakes on a Motherfucking Plane. No, he uh, actually didn't. Remember, he almost directed that, but then he oh, didn't. He didn't, but he, yeah, that's right. But he did direct Sam, Samuel Jackson in Formula 51. That's right. And yes. he, the American movies he's done are Warriors of Virtue, Bride of Chucky, and huh. Freddy, Freddy versus Jason. That's right. And, and I think he's an amazing person because he's done some of the classic 90s Hong Kong fantasy martial arts movies. And then he also did Bride of Chucky. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and his uh, probably masterpiece in Hong Kong is The Bride with White Hair, which is a phenomenal um, kung fu uh, fantasy movie, and especially if if you go back and watch The Bride with White Hair and know that it was all filmed on sound stages, it, it'll blow your mind because it doesn't look like it's all filmed on sound stages. Um, but he directed Fearless, and I think um, you can tell that there's a really high-quality director on there. And I think it's just as far as his job as, as a director, Ronnie Yu just killed it with Fearless. It's an incredible movie. And Jet Li meant for it to be his last martial, his last statement on martial arts. And I know he was playing, he was playing the guy who trained, his character in Fearless is, is based on the real life guy who trained the real life guy he was playing in Fist of Legend. 
So. Fictional. The uh, the character in Fist of Legend is fictional, but he is supposed to be the student of a real guy who he is playing in Fearless. Exactly. Yep. And um, but Fearless to me, um, a great experience in the theater. It showed Jet on working on all engines. The fights are great. The acting's great. Uh, the story is incredible. Um, I love Fearless to death. I think it's great. Um, Matt, first, what do you think of Fearless? Yeah, totally agree. I would say I watched the director's cut, which felt really long. Uh, and I think it kind of expanded a lot after his family uh, dies. And I think it, it largely followed and stuck with him in that village. So that's a part kind of felt a little draggy to me. I think I would have been better served seeing the theatrical cut or whatever the main version out there. That said, I still liked it quite a bit. And this is where Jet was obviously acting. And I liked him before he lost his family. Like you could tell like through his acting that he was like a really good father, full, like a flawed one, right? With all the hubris and all that. So story-wise and then excellent, excellent uh, diverse fighting at different points during the movie too um minimum uh of wire work kind of floatiness which was a a big bonus point in my list skews for ones that kind of downplay that um the big fighting towards the end when he goes through the different fighting styles uh the respect for the different cultures and just all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I like this one. This one is also very high top tier one for me. Vern, what did you think of fearless? Yeah, I I agree. It's just a great story and he's, he's so good in it. And it's kind of a precursor to, to the it man, the first it man in a way, because it's that kind of feel of like a biographical story. That's kind of exaggerated in a good way, but also, a little more down to earth than a lot of martial arts movies. And it feels very epic because it's covering a lot of years and a lot of ups and downs in his life, but it works in all these great martial arts and, and also kind of like unleashed and some of the other movies around then he kind of works in this message of nonviolence or like using martial arts uh, not to kill people. And uh, in a way that seemed pretty personal to him as a, as a Buddhist and uh, yeah, it's, it's a good one. Right. Yeah, I think it's great. I love Fearless. So um, I have two more on, on my personal list that I think are essential. And one of those is the first or the first Jet Li movie I ever saw, and that's Tai Chi Master, also known aka Twin Warriors uh, with the terrible dimension release of it. Um, I will take my less good looking transfer in subtitles on DVD that I have. Uh, tai Chi Master is notable because Yu and Wu Ping directed it back to back with Iron Monkey. And if you think that that's two bangers, right? Back to back doing Iron Monkey and Tai Chi Master. Tai Chi Master um, has both Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh in it, which is uh, amazing. Um, and, you know, Michelle Yeoh had worked with Yu and Wu Ping and other things, but I think. Um, this is the first time that they worked together. Um, later they would work in Crushing Tiger, but this one, uh, I think Tai Chi Master is, it's funny. Uh, the fights are incredible. Um, and more than anything, um, it, it's just a, 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 an incredible example of a martial arts movie. It feels 
at times like a throwback to the long long car long um uh shaw brothers kung fu comedies like hero of the east and stuff like that um and and so that's one of the reasons why i love it because i think it it, it flows with that um matt did you rewatch uh tai chi master or, or a version of it for this i did again i have no clue what version of it i watched but yeah it was michelle yo gets a, hu- a huge bump uh in my opinion on this one she has like the most beautiful kicks ever just gorgeous um nice and short the brother or you know um how, it, they probably weren't related but like the the sibling rivalry aspect was like a good story part of it but just like the almost kung fu parody comedy of it but you could tell they were still taking it quite seriously and could bring it if they needed at points i think worked really well yeah this was one of those ones again never would have seen it didn't know about it happy i found it kind of mm, a little bit of like just the fun but close to like the disposable kind of fun one good stuff enjoy yeah. the experience yeah and michelle yo also did a movie with donnie yen around this time called wing chung uh win chung i think it yeah and that's incredible too matt you should check that out there's a scene where she uh defends a rack of tofu that's incredible like um and as a fan of tofu i just appreciate that you know we have a scene of michelle yo stopping someone from destroying tofu uh burn what did you think <laughs> of tai chi master <laughs> Well, first, let me say I absolutely love Wing Chun and I absolutely love tofu. And <laughs> I even was going to bring up that this movie also has vegetarianism as a theme in it. Yep. That they, when they're at Shaolin Temple, they're vegetarians. And when they get banished, uh, his his friend who becomes the villain is the one who is tempted and eats meat. And he's very disciplined and doesn't eat, doesn't eat right. meat. And so I, I like that about it. I, I love... Um, yeah, I absolutely adore this movie. I think it might be my my number one, uh, either number one or number two Jet Li movie for me. And it's um, wow. It re- I agree. I also love the Shaw Brothers movies. It reminds me a lot of that. It's got the training. It's got a secret move that is illegal to use. Um, it's got that great fight where Michelle Yeoh uh, breaks the tables and uses their legs as stilts and fights on stilts. Um, and it just has all this sort of philosophy in it. I, I love that the the villain is initially a comic relief character, and he and you like him, and he's funny, and all of his weaknesses that are kind of a joke kind of build to being the the things that turn him into an evil, uh, or maybe not evil, but like an like an authoritarian tyrant at the end, and. Um, yeah, I, I I think it's a great, great movie. All right. Well, um, see, for me, the debate for one and two comes down to this. Fist of Legend or Tai Chi Master. So next and last is Fist of Legend. Uh, to me, Fist of Legend is, um, and it's Yuan Wuping as well, did, did the fights. He didn't direct the movie, but he directed the fights. Uh, Fist of Legend, which is kind of, I believe, Jet Li. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Vern, you might know better than me. He's playing the same character, that fictional character that Bruce Lee played in Fist of Fury, correct? It's it's a remake. Yeah, it's the same character. It's a remake of Fist of Fury. Yeah. 
which is interesting too because Donnie Yen was doing a TV show of Fist of Fury on Chinese TV at the same time, which got a limited DVD release as well. Um, so, I mean, this this character has been mined quite a bit. So, but Fist of Legend to me is Jet's most, it's his best fights. The fights in Fist of Legend are the most brutal fights pretty much you'll ever see. Um, and I think it's just a wonder of a martial arts movie. And for him to be able to step into a role that Bruce Lee played and do something different. And, and I personally actually like Fist of Legend better than Fist of Fury, which I know is kind of like a nerd check thing. Like, um, I'm not saying like Enter the Dragon is probably a better movie than that. But in this particular one-to-one, Fist of, I just love Fist of Legend. I think Fist of Legend is just a, an incredible sight to behold uh, from beginning to end. Matt, did, was this your first time watching Fist of Legend? Uh, yes, I think it was. Somehow I saw Fearless before. I only recognize watching it, you know, revisiting it, but this was the first time watching this one. And I think this is somehow the stars aligned. And I think the, the story was great. The, his, the character work here was good. His brother's story was good. And it combined with what I think was the most consistently good Kung Fu of any of the, the movies in here. Right. There somebody's had some amazing moments or something. This one is, Every fight in it is kind of unrelenting. It's the closest to the stylistic type of action that I I personally like in this. Minimum of wire work. I think there was some there to maybe emphasize big hits and that kind of a thing, but it never felt unreal. It felt very choreographed, right? It wasn't sloppy, but I like the very stylized, very athletic choreographed fighting. That was all there in this. Um Again, I I like when the movies don't just paint pure evil characters like the Japanese um, weren't just the invading monolithic enemy throughout it. I like that nuance. Um, Yeah, this is super, super high up there as well for me. Vern, Fist of Legend. Yeah, I I agree. This is my other possible number one. uh, And... uh, you know, Fist of Fury is a, is a total classic, but it's always kind of rubbed me the wrong way how nationalistic it is about approaching the the conflict with the Japanese. And so it's I think it's really cool that he took that story and made a like 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 Matt said it's it's more nuanced about that the way that it's um, it's got that amazing duel with the the where he's blindfolded fighting the Japanese master. And he, uh, at the end, the guy says that he's broadened his views about fighting. And um, I I love that kind of bonding between people that fight. And I just love stories about uh, martial arts, challenging challenges and duels on, on behalf of a school or a fighting style or something, you know, this, this type of subgenre is really fun, I think. And this is, yeah, it's, it's, one of the absolute best of that type of movie. All right. Um, that, there's a lot of Jet Li movies. <laughs> Before we wrap things up, I watched two more for this. Okay. And I don't want to waste it. Uh, I want to talk about one, war, The Warlords. Um, Great overly long, Overly long melodrama to me. I did not like this one. 
Uh, it's cool seeing the epicness of it, but quite frankly, the government propaganda uh, part kind of took some points off for me. But like, it was one another one of those ones where it was so frustratingly close to being potentially really good because of that the 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 three brothers falling apart at the end could have been really good and it was close to being damn good and just like oh i wanted a little bit more so that was another one that was frustrating i don't know david do you want to yeah i'll defend i'll defend warlords warlords is based on it's another one of those um uh like adaptions of a classic Chinese literature um, uh, that it, it's actually a very faithful adaptation. So like in that sense, like I, I liked it. Um, Hong Kong was going through the gritty, realistic, like giant war epic phase at the time. Um, Which is a cool juxtaposition to like the very clean period pieces that we watched a ton of for this. So I like that, right? A palate cleanser movie. Yeah. And um I want Jet to transition into the wise old wizard phase and play mm-hmm. a couple more like play Obi-Wan type characters in 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 um in movies. Um like I would probably give a toe to to write one of those for him. Uh, <laughs> did you see Sorcerer and the White Snake? I did. And I Yeah, he's he's kind of like that in that. Yes, and I want him to do more of that. Um and uh, I I think that if he gets that chance, but I think Warlords was starting to kind of see, we were kind of starting to see the, like, you know, Jet taking those roles. But there were, there was a lot of those types of, of giant war epics coming out of Hong Kong at the time. And what was the other one, Matt, that you saw that, we, that I didn't mention? I, I'm, I, I think we need to cover Lethal Weapon 4 just because that was maybe a lot of Western cultures first, uh, you know, cross with him maybe. And let me just say, I think that's far and away the worst movie that is any of the ones we watch. I I thought this movie was flat out loathsome. Joe Pesci and Chris Rock are ruinous. Um, racist, homophobic stuff. Um, you know, of course there's going to be a moment in the movie and I was just sitting there waiting for it. Like, how could it not be in here? The fake Chinese, you know, gibberish stuff that Mel Gibson, of course, had to use. Gibson was what? Hungover and or drunk through the entire movie. Like you could see it on the screen. Stuntmen to beat the band just all through it. That said, like, you know, I'm pretty, I'm convinced you will not are, you will not convince me otherwise that Mel Gibson was actually the villain of that movie. Riggs, he's <laughs> awful. But like all that said, like that final fight between Murtaugh, Riggs and Jet was pretty good. Ugh. Like the, um, it, it, like it, for what it was, like I worried, I was worried that it was going to be American, just fisticuffs can beat this guy the jet lee and they did enough to handicap him and they stuck him through a, a a rebar through him and he was still fighting like that part at the end those gags was pretty good but the rest of the movie and the fall from grace of like the oh my god lethal weapon one and two are all-time greats to me of like action cop buddy whatever's they're awesome three was bad and then this is just like the movie ends on literally an old woman shitting her pants joke in the hospital 
What a way to end a franchise. Fuck that movie. Sorry. <laughs> I rewatched that for this. I had to rant a little bit to make it worth it. Sorry. Well, before I ask Vern what he thinks of Lethal Weapon 4, I will say that uh, Jet has said positive things about the experience because it was what basically got him a chance in Hollywood and, you know, was important for his career. Oh, you can totally see the movie is just a bunch of guys wanting to hang out and have fun. So yeah, I'm sure it was fun, but you know, being there, it wasn't fun for the audience. Well, and the did, highway, he, the highway scene was kind of cool too. I'll say that. He did terrible movies like cradle to the grave for Joel silver, just because he felt he owed him for lethal weapon four, which for the opportunity, which, you know, if you, yeah, see, that, that's misplaced. Yeah. 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 Uh, Vern, do you have any thoughts on Lethal Weapon 4 before we give our top five? Because that's how I'm going to do this here at the end. <laughs> well, I, I can't I can't entirely defend it. I, I I always hated the racist comments that Riggs makes and everything. But um, I do. Once I get past that, I do enjoy that movie because I like that it's the rare action series where it clearly is more about, I just want to bring all these characters back, even though it makes no sense, just because I want to hang out with them. And like, it makes it not as good of a story, but it makes it kind of a fun hangout experience in a way. And then Chet Lee, I think is really good in it. He's, he's scary. And it's, it's a, a better showcase of him than the Expendables movies, I think, even though he's the bad I guy. I will agree with that. Yeah. Um, and, and I Jet, agree that. Jet's the, highway Jet's the scene best is, part. Yeah. But the highway scene is incredible. That's that's they don't you know modern American action movies don't have stuff that cool in them usually. All right, so uh, to to finish this off, um, <laughs> uh, I, what I want to do is I want to go around and do our top five Jet Li movies, starting with five and then counting to one. Uh, Matt, can you uh, kick us off, and then then we'll go to Vern. Sure. So I, even during these discussions, I've been moving things around a little bit. So I'm torn on this one. I will say once upon a time in China, two is just going to miss the cut. That was number six. So I'm sorry. So number five is kiss of the dragon. Uh, Again, just that I, I grew up watching like a lot of those La Femme de Kida, Luke Basson thing. So those hit such a nostalgia thing for me. So Kiss of the Dragons 5, I said it was a toss-up between that and Unleashed. So Unleashed is four. And then three is Fearless. Um, number two is Fist of Legend. And I would say, number one, I think separating from that is Hero. Again, just because I went back and got my DVD to watch. And when I opened it up, I found my notes where I had to go online and write down the translation of what the opening, um, the the intro and the outro dialogue was because my DVD never had a translation. So it just hit everything. I love Hero. But those top three Hero, Fist of Legend, Fearless, I would not argue with anyone which one of those would be the top three. I think they're all unimpeachable, great action um, and stories. They're great. All right. So, Vern. Well, I'm sorry I gave away my ending already, but I would I would go number five, Unleashed, uh, just because of the, the great character and the way it combines with the fighting style. Um, and, and 
number four, Fearless, because it's just a great, another great character and story and just kind of a nice epic. And then uh, number three, Hero, which is probably in a way the the best filmmaking of any of these. And it's just, uh, you know, we, we, we covered how gorgeous that is and just it's an incredible movie. Um, number two, Fist of Legend. Number one, Tai Chi Master. All right. My list. Is very close to Vern's. I'm going to go five unleashed. I'm going to go uh, four. I'm going to go fearless. Three hero. And then I'm going to switch it up a little bit with Tai Chi Master two and Fist of Legend number one, because Fist of Legend is the one that had the most times where I was like cringing in pain at things that was happening to characters on the screen. I think the only movie that's had me do that more is Eastern Condors, the Sambo Hung movie. Um, <laughs> that's a great movie. Which is a great movie and yeah. uh, it's very painful to watch too. Uh, but I do want to give, um, I mean, I, I don't think there's very few Jet Li movies except for maybe War and Cradles to the Grave that are just completely unwatchable. Um, I like Jet on screen whenever I can get them. So... Uh, I was surprised um, Once Upon a Time in China didn't, too, didn't crack the top five. It didn't be my top five, partially because, and I did rewatch it in the last week. Um, It did not make my top five. It's weird. Um, I think Unleashed, I just had a really fun experience watching Unleashed. And here's one of the things. um, I watched Unleashed with my wife the other day, and Carrie hates action movies. And um, she sat through Unleashed. (laughs) and i think enjoyed it um but uh and i think that says something you know that the the movie can kind of cross some some uh, quadrants there so um on that note um i'm gonna close things up but i do want to uh give people a chance to find figure out where you where to find you guys if they want to follow your uh you're nerding out. Uh, Vern, I'm going to have to have you back to talk about your novel, but I also would just love to have you on to just um, uh, talk about uh, action movies in general sometime. Uh, because Yeah, anytime. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun to talk to both of you guys about this subject. I love Jet Li. Um, so starting with Matt, um, where can people find you and your podcast? Right, so you can find me on Twitter at Pro Sub Zero, Professor Sub Zero, Running Man. You ever want to do a Arnold Schwarzenegger podcast? You better call me back on that one. Um, so Pro Sub Zero, and then I think we might have to get the band back together for Schwarzenegger at some point. <laughs> oh, that that is now my wheelhouse. Um, the top of the list is, of course, Running Man, and I will not hear otherwise. But um, for the podcast, no, no, no shaking of the heads. It's obviously the correct answer. I'm, but I'm the, shaking my head also. Okay, well, we'll I'll go to town. Uh, you know, we'll we'll have that discussion on that one. Uh, but the main podcast endeavor was always Upper Pylon Two. Uh, you can find that on Twitter at up2 the number two podcast and we're wrapped on that but i'm still engaging with people on social media if you want to continue that discussion but the mission was accomplished and we all are super proud of that effort go back and uh dive back into that one it was a lot of fun basically real loose kind of if you're hanging with your friends in a bar talking about star trek we covered everything on that it was a great experience 
and I, I do want to say there's like a bazillion Star Trek podcasts out there. And the reason why I like Upper Pylon too is because I think you guys always drilled. I think um, you're reading the minds of the writers a lot on there. And um, and uh, I just really appreciate that podcast. Vern, where can people find you? And which action star do you think needs a tribute podcast? Um, oh. Well, I would have said Scott Adkins, but there's a really good one now. Uh, Adkins Unleashed podcast, I recommend. Um, yeah, I'd have to think about that one more. Uh, but I'm I'm at outlawvern.com. I review movies usually Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, I, mostly action and horror, but also all kinds of other things. Uh, I'm also outlawvern on Twitter, uh, Patreon, and Letterboxd, which I only recently finally signed up for so please follow me on there or teach me how to use it properly <laughs> oh, I'm on there. And, and my book is worm on a hook uh you can find it on amazon if you search worm on a hook Vern. uh if you don't include Vern, then a bunch of fishing supplies will come up <laughs> all right so um thank you uh guys for coming on and talking jet lee with me um and uh, listeners, uh, enjoy the third part of this trilogy, which is a panel on Hong Kong films with Lisa Morton, the author of the biography of Troy Hark, uh, Joey O'Brien, who wrote, uh, who is a screenwriter in Hong Kong, wrote two movies for Johnny Toe, and uh, Jeff Briggs, who is a archivist at uh, Warner Brothers and a Hong Kong movie expert. That's going to be a killer panel. Um, and that I'm recording in a couple days and I'm really excited about it. So come back and listen to that one. All three will be released on the same day. So you can go, um, you know, you can't listen to all this in one sitting. So I suggest going for a walk and listening to it. All right. Uh, thanks for joining me guys. And, um, and uh, enjoy Jet Li movies. Thank you.